Welcome to the Conflict Choices Podcast with your host, Dr. Everton A. Ennis, author, mediator, and conflict resolution specialist. Conflict Choices is a production of Class Act Consulting and Seminars. Our mission is teaching our clients how to make better conflict choices. Be sure to visit our website at classactseminars.com. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. This is episode 002 of the Conflict Choices Podcast. I'd like to invite you to check out my website at classactseminars.com. We get more information about my website and my company as we get closer to the end of today's broadcast. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Welcome back. Today, I'd like to address a fundamental question pertaining to this show, this podcast, the Conflict Choices Podcast. And the question is, what is conflict? Now, if we're going to talk about conflict, which is what we're doing on this show, then it's very important since this is the main thing that we're here to talk about. We've got to come on the same page. We need to have an understanding, an agreed understanding as to what conflict is. It will help in our ability to grasp the material that I'll be sharing with you here every week. And so we're going to go now into a conversation about what is conflict. There are, of course, many different understandings, perspectives out there, even among you who are listening to the show today, about what constitutes conflict. You should know that part of what I do is I conduct intervention programs in houses of worship. That's in the faith community, of course, churches, wherever, in workplaces. I deal with organizations, the school system, and I teach people how to make better conflict choices. That's really the the, the oomph of what I do. And when I ask in this forum that that I work in, what comes to mind when I say the word conflict? The first word that usually comes up and that most people subscribe to when I say, what is conflict? They shoot their hands up and they say disagreement. Some say disagreement. Others say a difference of opinion. Some people say fighting. Some even go so far as to say wars in military conflict or violent civil uprising. Uh, My guess is that for every 10 people that you ask, you'll probably get five to seven different definitions or perspectives on what conflict is. And this is quite interesting because, as I mentioned before, if you are going to discuss and get a good handle on this particular issue and and, and subject, then there needs to be an understanding of what indeed we are talking about. And so I like to define words, and the word that we're focusing right now is the centerpiece of this broadcast, which is the word conflict. What exactly is it? Now, in my doctoral research, I found something that was quite troubling. There's a troubling fact. It was an annoying reality that kind of popped out at me as I was reading some 60 different writers. And what I found is that there are no two writers of the 60 plus that I actually read 
gave the same definition of conflict. Now, just imagine that. I just read about 60 writers, <laughs> and, and they all said conflict was something different. In fact, there was such divergence of views that I was no longer surprised that people just like you who are listening struggle so much with the whole business of conflict resolution. I mean, if the experts can't come to an agreement of what conflict is, then I would just imagine there's so much more confusion out there in the wider population. So let's examine a few definitions of what I found when I was doing my research for my doctoral program and talk about the implications of the perspectives of these different writers in what they define conflict to be. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Okay, welcome back. Now, I examined a number of definitions during the course of my doctoral work, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to highlight just a few of them now and talk about their implications. In fact, in my own book, chapter four, it's entitled, If We Can't Even Agree on That. That's where I discuss the divergent viewpoints, the perspectives of various authors whom I read. And I came to realize that this was a much bigger problem than I, than I first thought as I processed the multiple ways that people viewed this singular issue of conflict. Let's start with George Bullard. In his book, Every Congregation Needs a Little Conflict, that's the name of his book, page 10, this is what Bullard had to say about what conflict is. Uh, Bullard holds that simply defined conflict is the struggle of two objects seeking to occupy the same space at the same time. Now, that's it. That's his definition of conflict. Now, if you're like me, you want something more, something more substantive. This is rather vague. It could mean anything. What are these two objects, for example? And what is the space being talked about? Of course, Bullard goes on to elaborate on it in his work. However, I have some difficulty with that because my goal, my aim, is that when I give a definition of conflict, which I will do later on in this show, I want you to come away without having to read anything else as to what a substantive definition of conflict is, something you can relate to. You won't have to wonder what is that. You want to be able to relate to it. And so just to simply say, and in fact, he actually used the word simply. He says, simply defined Conflict is the struggle of two objects seeking to occupy the same space at the same time. Now, there are all kinds of issues I have with this definition. One, it's ambiguous, as I mentioned before. And number two, it seems to suggest the process rather than the outcome, the eventual outcome, which is conflict itself. And... When a person, a layperson, meaning a person that trained in conflict resolution, when a person who is not acquainted with the conflict resolution modalities 
picks up this particular definition, what exactly should it mean? So I would not be able to work with Bullard's definition. Now, otherwise, his work is a very good work. For someone who would invest the time to read it, every congregation needs a lot of conflict. Uh, there are some things, of course, that I would not necessarily agree with. For example, I don't think you need a lot of conflict. But anyway, that's another discussion for another time. Uh, next one is Ross Stagner. Stagner's work is The Dimensions of Human Conflict, page 136, Dimensions of Human Conflict. And Stagner refers to conflict in his work as, and I quote, a situation in which two or more human beings desire goals which they perceive as being attainable by one or the other, but not by both. End of quote. Now, he comes a little bit closer, but still not close enough from my perspective. And I'm going to share this reasoning with you as we come closer to the end of the broadcast today. That's I'm going to give you my definition of conflict and see if that's more relatable to you on your everyday situation that you deal with. And so Stagner's definition here, two or more human beings, yes, I could definitely agree with that, two or more human beings. And talking about desiring goals, which they perceive as being attainable, not by both, but by one or the other. I could to some degree work with Stagner on this, though there are some holes in it that we could we could find. There's some, some deficiencies, and I'm sure even with my own definition, there might be some deficiencies in all honesty and humility because no one person's definition, it seems to me, would be entirely complete that would match perhaps every situation across the spectrum of the realm of possibilities of conflict resolution. Yeah, that was a mouthful, intentionally stated. Going to show how complex and complicated the whole issue of conflict really is. And so I do make an effort to simplify, but at the same time to leave enough meat on the bones that you can chew on. The next one that we want to look at is one of my favorite authors in the work of conflict resolution, actually, is Ken Sand. In his work, The Peacemaker, page 29, Sand views conflict as a difference, and this is a quote now, a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires, end of quote. So he brings it now into the realm of where we started when I said to you that when I ask the question, wherever I do my workshops, my seminars, I ask the question, what comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to mind when I say the word conflict Nine times out of ten, the first word that is blurted out is the word disagreement or difference of opinion. And Sand here says he's working basically with what the general population thinks that it is. And he says, a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. Now, I happen to agree not so much with these three gentlemen who have made significant contribution to the conflict resolution industry, but with Speed B. Lees, another of my favorites, who wrote the introduction to the book Conflict Management in Congregations. And this work, of course, was edited by David B. Lott. And on page four, the introduction in this introduction, Lee's reasoned that the inability of getting a definitive grasp on what constitutes conflict may be found in the fact that, quote, we use one word, the word conflict, to describe many different experiences and situations, but each of the experiences so named are not all the same, end of quote. 
I happen to agree with Speed B. Lees in that the term conflict is probably too loosely used. And, and that's one of the challenges that we have in just about any context, whether it's at home, on the job, in the faith community, in general population. It is my view that some normal disagreements are unnecessarily being referred to as conflict. And I see that in my work all the time. And that some major conflicts are minimized and referred to as normal and even as healthy conflict. There are folk who refer to different aspects of conflict as healthy. Again, I don't necessarily agree with that, and I'm going to share with you why in just a moment. I don't subscribe to the idea that conflict is healthy. I'm coming to you. I know you're thinking, uh, how can it not be healthy when we can learn so much from it? Well, there's a different way to look at this. All right. And that's what we're going to in just a moment. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. The idea that disagreement is conflict is hugely unproductive. Let me explain to you why. Let's create a scenario here. You and your spouse decide you want to upgrade your kitchen at home. Your kitchen currently does not have an island. And so one of the questions that you discuss together is, should you add an island? You say that, well, an island would look beautiful. It would add more utility to the space. And we do have the space for it. But your spouse says, well, I prefer a more open concept. And I, I, I don't think we should do that. Now, you will agree with me that at this point, you are not in agreement. You have one view. Your spouse has another view. So there is no agreement at this point. What we have is a disagreement. Now, the question I have for you is, do you have a conflict going on? My answer to that is no. You don't have a conflict. What you have is a difference of opinion at this point. You have a disagreement as to whether or not there should be an island or no island. And so far, it's a healthy conversation. Nobody's mad. No feelings are hurt. You're just talking about, should we have an island or should we not have an island? Now, it's time then to choose the color for the paint that you're going to put on these walls in the new upgraded kitchen. So, you say, you think that there should be an eggshell white for the kitchen walls. Your spouse says, how about something more like an, a darker earth tone color, like a mid-type brown or something of that nature. And I'm just picking colors. I, what do I know about colors? I'm just using this for the illustration. But whatever it is that you say and your spouse says, it's not the same. There's again a difference of opinion. The question then becomes, are you having a conflict at this point? The answer to that is no. There is no conflict. What you have still is a difference of opinion. How about that refrigerator in the corner? 
Should we buy a new one that fits the new decor that we're looking at? Or should we choose a decor that works with the fridge we already have so that we don't have to expend that money to buy a replacement refrigerator when we have one that works perfectly fine? Well, that's a subject for another conversation. So you're having that conversation. You both sit down at the dining table. You're looking at the numbers. You look at the budget you're working with. And you're looking at the pros and cons. And you think that the refrigerator you have now is fine. And you don't see any need to spend the money to buy another refrigerator when you have one that works perfectly, perfectly well. Your spouse thinks otherwise. Well... If we go with this decor, a refrigerator with this color will fit better with the new decor that we're looking at. But you counter by saying, well, how about we change the decor so that we utilize the cabinets, the sink, the refrigerator, the stove, the oven, the microwave that's already, so that we, we choose something that blends in with the equipment that we already have. So changing the equipment to fit the decor or changing the decor to fit the equipment that you now have, which will it be? I'm suggesting that you can have a productive, mature conversation about these three elements of your upgrade project for your kitchen, whether or not to put an island in there, what the decor should look like, or should you change your refrigerator? Keep in mind also that in this conversation, if you change your refrigerator, more than likely the refrigerator is not the only thing that you'll have to change. You'll have to change the, the oven and the stove. You have to change the microwave. There might be other things you have to change because you want things either to match or to blend. At least I know that much. I learned that from my wife. It should either match or blend. So you have a healthy conversation going on. No conflict. Nobody's upset. So here's what I'm about to tell you. It is perfectly okay to disagree on any or all of the above mentioned items on your agenda. It is perfectly fine. Now I want to share with you my perspective on this whole conversation that you and your spouse have been having. Up until this point, you have been having a mature, sensible, mutually respectful conversation about your options. Remember, the whole gist of my work is to teach my clients how to make better conflict choices. Conflict is a choice. We're going to get into this. So my position is that disagreement is normal, natural, and healthy, and is needed in any relationship or organization. You have to disagree. You're going to disagree because it's normal and it's natural and it's healthy. It would be a travesty if every time you express an opinion or perspective, your spouse feels that they have to agree with you. If, you, if your spouse expected or demanded that you agree with everything that they feel about every situation in life, you would be of all persons most unhappy. No one could thrive. No one could be comfortable in an environment, a kind of relationship like that, whether it's a personal relationship, your family, the workplace, or even in your church. That is utterly undesirable. So keep in mind what I said here just now. Disagreement is normal, it is natural, and it is healthy. It is normal because it, it is what it is. No matter what you do, it's just a part of life. 
it's normal for people because we're not all made in the same way. We're not all from the same place. We all don't see the world from the same perspective. So it is normal. It is also natural because God designed us with a brain of our own. And each person has the right and the capacity to think stuff through for him or herself. So it's natural, therefore, because, and even if you were identical twins, you're not going to see every situation in life exactly the same way every single time. So that would be unnatural. So it is natural because you were not created to be a piece of equipment that's driven by a computer code that has to do whatever the programmer says it has to do. You were given a brain, you were given the freedom of choice, you were given the freedom of expression, you were given the freedom and the capacity to think and to process and to decide for yourself. And no human being, regardless of their station in life, it doesn't matter who they are, no one has the right to demand that you always think the same way that they think. And that includes you. You don't have the right to demand or to expect that anyone, whether they're your spouse, your children, the people you supervise on the job, if you're a pastor of a church, the congregation that you lead, it would be immature for you to expect or to demand that everyone or anyone should always see things in the exact same way as you do. So disagreement is normal and it's natural. It's also healthy. Can you imagine, based upon the illustrations I just gave, if you were going around demanding that everyone sees life the same way you see life, every aspect of life, all the time? No, that's, that, that's not healthy. That's rather unhealthy. Then people start losing their individuality and losing their grip on life and start losing themselves. And what if that person is you? Would you feel emotionally healthy? Would you feel that that relationship is healthy? Absolutely not. So we choose to allow disagreements to become conflict. So here's what I believe. Though disagreement is normal and natural and should be both expected and welcome, it is my view that conflict is a choice. Ah, you heard me say it. Conflict is a choice. Now, that's not my definition of conflict. I'm just telling you how conflict occurs in this moment. I haven't told you my definition yet. So conflict is a choice. In other words, disagreement is not conflict. I want you to underscore that. Disagreement is not synonymous with conflict. We can disagree in ways that are healthy and ways that are uplifting, ways that are dignified. And we can both walk away from our conversation not having agreed to a thing and still leave happy and healthy. That's right. Conflict is a choice. Now, if you have an issue or a disagreement, you have the option of either handling it poorly or you can choose to handle your disagreement in a way that is destructive to a relationship. That's your choice. I'm here to teach you how to make better conflict choices. So we can choose to express ourselves in a positive, uplifting, and helpful way or we can choose to yield to our emotions and our feelings and do things in a manner that would be destructive to that relationship your choice did you know by the way that you do not have to react or respond uh, when you are feeling somewhat 
put off or uncomfortable in a situation where somebody expresses themselves in a way that is perhaps not in the best way? That's right. You actually have that choice. So even in your response to what someone else does or fails to do, you have a choice. You have a choice as to, am I going to respond? Am I going to react? If so, how will I choose to do that? Will I do that in a manner that is just like the offensive way in which the other person spoke to me? Or am I going to do it in a way that lifts the situation on a higher plane? So you don't have to react or respond, at least not right then. I have a new book coming out soon that deals with this as a specific topic of not reacting right away when stuff happens. That book is in the works right now. I'm looking forward to completing that work so I can share it with you real soon. Then there's the question of language and rhetoric. We're going to hear more about that toward the end of the show today. Language and rhetoric. The choices that we are able to make. And sometimes we have literally seconds in which to make the choices as to how we're going to respond or to relate, whether we're expressing ourselves or we or we are put in a situation to respond or relate to what somebody else says in terms of how they express themselves. Then, of course, we have to manage our expectations. As I mentioned earlier, it's immature to expect that people should always agree with us. But sadly, there are many adults who were never taught as children that it's okay to allow the other person their right to expression. Most of us were brought up in environments where disagreement was not necessarily welcome. That was seen as a slight. Parents take offense to children having a different perspective, a point of view. And I want to underscore that it is okay even for a parent-child relationship because that child is also a human being. That child may be a little human being, but, but they're a human being with a brain that's thinking and processing just like yours. And the brain, by the way, that sometimes does actually get it right. Now, I want to explain the difference between what I just said and a child being rude. I don't subscribe to children being rude. I'm not talking about talking back. I'm talking about you modeling for your child what it is like to have a mature conversation where both sides, regardless of status in life, I said it before, are able to share from their perspective how they see the world and have a civil conversation that's mutually respectful and leaves everybody's dignity intact. So here's my definition of conflict. My definition of conflict, which is found in my book, is conflict is a state of tension or alienation between two or more parties due to malice or the mishandling of disagreement. So notice I start in my definition with the end result of the process because conflict is a process. It is a process of making poor decisions that result in conflict. So I start with the end result. I start with the symptom, the obvious sign that there's something wrong with the relationship. And then I share with you in the definition how that happened. So conflict is a state of tension or alienation between two or more parties due to malice or the mishandling of disagreement. Now, when you go to the dictionary, the word malice is, this, is defined as the desire or intent to harm or hurt another, another person that is. In other words, and that usually, usually not exclusively, but that usually occurs through what we say, how we use the tongue. 
And of course, the mishandling of this agreement is the predominant cause of conflict. So notice in my definition, I shared with you earlier in the show that disagreement is not synonymous with conflict. Now I'm sharing with you where disagreement comes into the process of conflict coming into reality. Let's go back to the kitchen. So should we have an island or not in this upgraded kitchen? So far, healthy, open, mutually respectful conversation. But what if one of you then decides that you're going to be up in your feelings about the fact that your spouse disagreed with your perspective? What if you want an island in the kitchen and your spouse says, well, I don't know. I prefer an open type of kitchen design. And you decide that you're going to sour in your attitude. You're going to be rude in your remarks. Let's say, for example, well, I just think that's a dumb idea. Let's say you say that. So, so far you were having a disagreement when I told you disagreements are normal and natural and healthy. Now you have added an unhealthy component to the conversation. Now you've started on the path. The conversation is about to deteriorate. You are about now to enter into the realm of conflict. So at this point, because of how you chose, notice again, because of how you chose, notice the word choose, right? That's the word. Conflict is a choice. We choose how we respond. We choose what we say. We choose how we say it. Up until this point, you were doing just fine. But now, because in your mind, you are thinking that your view is supposed to be the prevailing position in the family as it relates to the setting for the new kitchen. You take offense. Notice the person did not offend you. They simply shared their point of view. There's nothing offensive about that if it was not done in an offensive way. But now you responded in an offensive manner. And now you have put a quality on the person's point of view. You call it foolish. So now you have ascribed a quality. And the quality that you have ascribed to the person's perspective, to their opinion, to their point of view, to their right to give a disagreeing perspective, you now call them foolish. Now what do you expect to happen from that point? Conflict. You have taken the conversation off of the freeway, you've exited into a dark alleyway where the conversation should not have gone. But I have good news. The person whose idea is now being called foolish, well, usually the emotions are going to kick in as a human being, and I fully understand that. Most of what, by the way, causes conflict to become so embroiling and so devastating is because the emotions usually get frayed because of how things are said and done. And even then, though, you still, as the respondent now, you also have a choice to make. Again, conflict choices. You actually have several options that you can exercise, that you could choose to exercise at that moment. Several things that you could do. You could just quietly bring the conversation to an end. Uh, excuse yourself. I think we might need to 
pick this back up a little bit later when we're in a better place emotionally to continue the conversation. That's one option that you have. Another option, of course, is the opposite. You could fire right back. I mean, you've been fired upon, right? And so when we are fired upon and we are bruised emotionally, we naturally, we have the inclination instinctively to return fire. And so we, we, we fire right back and we say, who do you think you are calling foolish? And then you go, of course, and tell the person how foolish they have been over the years. That's one option. So we're talking about options that are available to us. Or another option could be, well, we could decide because of what was said, it was quite hurtful to address it then and there in a calm, dignified manner. Well, I don't think that it is fair for us to speak to each other in that fashion or in this manner. We're talking about an island in a kitchen. It's not worth us hurting each other or other's feelings over something so inconsequential. We could be calm, but direct, firm even. And hopefully, the person who was offensive would be able to see the error of his or her way and make the choice to apologize, take back those words. Or the person, again, choices, the person could choose to continue to be ugly. Well, I just think you ought to listen to me. And, and they double down. Choices, right? Conflict choices. So it could go in so many different So the bottom line here is that my definition works in that it is a state of tension or alienation between two or more parties due to malice or the mishandling of disagreement. So disagreement is not the conflict. It's conflict only occurs when we mishandle our disagreements. I want you to never forget that it's okay to disagree as long as we do so in a dignified manner and we disagree for the right reasons. It's okay. And you have the right to disagree. And the other person has the right to disagree with you. A church divided against itself shall surely fall. Most churches are plagued with the issue of congregational conflict, where the members have not been trained in an expert way in how to overcome their disputes and differences. As a consequence, most of our churches are like a holy hell. Be sure to receive your copy of From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again to ensure that your church does not look like this church. Please be sure to contact us right now on our website, classactseminars.com. Welcome back. I just want to remind you about what I do. I provide conflict solutions in a variety of contexts. For those in the faith community, where conflict is very prevalent, by the way, I'd like to introduce you to a website that's designed for congregations. It is conflictministry.com, conflictministry.com. 
I also do mediation work. I'm a general civil mediator, and I also do mediation online. In other words, in the Zoom space, uh, we can do a mediation between yourself and a fellow disputant in a legal proceeding, and the court will assign that situation to mediation. Uh, contact me through ennismediationservice.com. That's ennismediationservice.com. And otherwise, for generalized Conflict resolution issues, you need a workshop done in your office in your, with your employees, you want family conflict resolution training or intervention, you have a school system that you'd like someone to come and talk with your young people about conflict resolution. And that's a great place, by the way, to talk and to start training people for conflict resolution, equipping them with the tools to make better conflict choices is, is the children and the youth who are in high school. I'm also the author of a book entitled From Holy Hell to Hallelujah Again. The definition I gave today of conflict is found in that book. And you can find my book at my website, classactseminars.com. In our next episode, episode 003, we're going to be looking at language and rhetoric in conflict causation and resolution. You can't afford to miss our next show. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit our website at classactseminars.com for more information about how we can be of service to you, your workplace, or your church. Please subscribe to our podcast. And remember, conflict is a choice, and you don't have to fall for it. See you next time.